Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 346 of the Ask the Coach Show, where Ping Skills answers your table tennis questions. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, I'm joined by Super Coach Alois Rosario. Welcome, Alois. Oh, thank you, Jeff, and hello, everybody. Indeed. Now, um, Alois. Yes, Jeff. Did you hear the rumor about butter? Uh, no, I didn't. Well, Jeff. don't spread it. <laughs> you've got to go. You've got to go back to that joke book. <laughs> back to the joke book. Oh, that one was no good. That's clearly not out of the joke book because. Oh, that... there was um, there was the joke about the pole vaulter, but that didn't go over very well. That's better. <laughs> Is that out of the joke book? <laughs> No, that was actually what from my son just before. Ah, see? Clearly not your material. <laughs> your son's uh, good. Joke book good. You, not so good. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes. Well, how have you been? Have you been Are good? You, you're going well, going well. I actually went on a plane. On a plane? Yeah, my I went on goodness. A yeah, I know. Just I heard a story about a guy that went on a plane to Sydney, a fellow teacher, mm-hmm. and he had to wear masks and... Then they told him, uh, please ensure you are uh, maintaining a social distance. And he's like, yeah. 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 You, you, the plane's full. How am I meant to do that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've got someone next to you. And then, but then as you're getting off, they say, you know, please maintain a so- social distance. You've been sitting next to the guy for the last hour and a half. But anyway. They're, they're so close. It's like you, you're right next to each. Mm, anyway. Yeah. So was it strange getting on a plane? It was strange. It was very strange getting on and getting off. It was, it was good. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no thing. Numbers here in Australia looking uh, looking pretty good and seem to be uh, under control. So yeah, we're just I, fortunate here, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So hopefully around the world, start things start to settle down for all of you. Yes, indeed. Well, Alois, what happened on this week? That's a good question. I, I, that's right. I need to check my notes. Um, yeah. So on, <laughs> we are super on, prepared. We are on this week. It is. So remember, we're getting to the end of the year, right? And it's, yes. It's getting harder and harder to find people. But um, Jin, because all the people were born in the first few months of the year. Correct. All the people that end up as highly ranked are born early in the year, except um, Marlong. Yeah, he's okay. That guy, that Marlong guy. Um, yeah, Jin Ueda from Japan was born on the 10th of December, 1991, making him 29 years old this uh, this year. Yep, 29 wow. years old. Actually, today, well, you know, we're doing this on the 10th of December. Who yes. knows when you're listening to it? Mm. Hope, hopefully at some stage in your life. Um, and then I, when I go to his medal, because, you know, I've seen Jin to play and I think you know, he's quite good. And then I went to his medal record and it's got like university championships. Um, so he got the silver medal at three universiades. Universiades? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So I guess that's good. But um, oh, he, no, he's he, on the world tour, though, he's... Um, He's won some medals in uh, doubles with uh, uh, with um, Haru Yoshimura. So, uh-huh. Yeah, he beat uh, Kenta and Kokiniwa. 
in 2013. And then 2017 had a pretty good uh, doubles year where he um, he won four doubles events, um, one with, Ken, with uh, Kenji Matsudaira, mm-hmm. two, uh, three with uh, Yoshimura, and one with Koki Niwa. So the, China, uh, the Thailand Open, China Open, um, beating beating Harimoto and Kizukuri. And, wow. Um, yeah, and then also the the Bulgarian uh, and Austrian Open. So yeah, it had uh, had a pretty good year in 2017 in doubles. But there, yeah, that's Jin Yuida. But then the other thing that um, was interesting when I was just searching through, yes, um, is that there are three sets of twins that were born like you know around this time that are on the world rankings. So I was, yeah, it made me start to think. I, you know, do more twins get born at this time of year um, that end up playing table tennis? You know, maybe we can just start a theory. Or just start, <laughs> Why not? Start to spread some rumours around. But the Kipradimos uh, twins from Cyprus. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah, uh, tomorrow they will be 27 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, then the Porina twins from Latvia, um, they will be... Uh, 17 years old uh, on the 12th of December. And from Australia, Bobby and Mike Liang. Um, and they will be 20. My goodness, Bob and Mike Liang are 20 years old. So they're going to be 20 years old on the 12th of December. So um, yeah, happy b- birthday to all of those people. But yeah, Absolutely. Happy, yeah. happy birthday indeed. Yeah, I'm just trying to rescue this on this day segment, really. Yeah, but that's, that's it. Now, let me help you out. Now, Jin yep. Ueda. Yes. From from Japan. Yep. And you've been to Japan. Correct. And 40 years ago on this week, something oh, not yeah. table tennis oh. related happened. But yeah, yeah, I was actually correct. I was in Japan. I was in Japan and on, and I was not. Uh, being able to read any Japanese, but I remember picking up, <laughs> picking up um, a newspaper, and it was the eighth of December, nineteen eighty, and seeing a little picture of John Lennon with a birthday and a death day. <gasps> I thought, oh my goodness, John Lennon's died. But um, but you didn't know how or why no, or didn't, no, no, didn't know how or why or anything. So actually, at the time, I was listening to. It was, oh, it was like this. A podcast. Radio. Yeah, no, it was a radio. It was it was shortwave radio, actually. <laughs> it was shortwave radio or something. And, um, yeah, there was an um, Australian uh, radio show that I used to listen to 40 years ago. And, um, yeah, so they reported it. It was also actually the, the time of the underarm incident. For all you really? cricket people, yes, it was forty years ago. The underarm incident. So, if you're listening overseas, you probably have no idea what the underarm incident is. But um, cricket, big sport here, um, and um, to hit a six, you got to hit it out of the park, kind of like hitting a home run in baseball. And but in cricket, um, they New Zealand needed six runs off the last ball, and one of the Australians rolled the ball on the ground. So obviously he couldn't hit it in the air. And um, that was considered a legal delivery back then, but very unsportsmanlike. And whoa, Australia and New Zealand have never recovered. No, that's right. So, yeah, that's 40 years ago too. So there you go. We've re- rescued on this day. 
Well done. Well done. That's um that's awesome. Now, um this week, allies, I'm a bit unprepared. The comment of the week, I'm ditching the segment. Ditching? Yep. What? Just because I'm unprepared. But <laughs> yes. it is close to Christmas and I got a little Chris Kringle gift um at school. And yep. it is Ridley's Games Room, second edition. Who am I quiz? Now, I'm just going to test you on a few of these who am I quizzes, but I thought this could be like a great new segment. Instead, this is just like who am I anyone, right? But we could do a who am I table tennis player and you reel off some facts and then um, you've got to guess who it is. And like if we built them up, we could create our own game and actually make some cards and send them out to people. Interesting thought, but... Here you go. Just try this first and see if you think we could translate it to table tennis. Yep. So yep. this one here okay. is. Maybe we could replace the joke segment. But anyway, go on. Keep going. <laughs> I think it's better to replace the, because the, that's funny, The the um on this day, because you're struggling in December. This could be like a really good <laughs> yeah. way to replace that. This anyway, yeah. <laughs> who am I? Mm-hmm. I was created in 1934. I first appeared in The Wise Little Hen. I am a friend of Mickey Mouse, though we are also rivals. I don't... Donald Duck! Yes, Donald Duck! Well done. All right, here's another one. Who am I? I am an American athlete. I am vegan. In 1999, I was voted Sportsman of the Century by the IOC. I am known for running 100 metres and 200 metre distances. I won the gold for the long jump at Carl Lewis. Well done. Yeah. Carl Lewis, all right. Here you go. Couple, just two more. Ready? Yeah. You're pretty good at these. Who am I? I am an English musician born in 1947. I married David Furnish in 2014. My real name is Reginald Kenneth Dwight. Oh, uh, that's um, Elton John. Elton John, look at you. All right, last one. Yeah. I am a political figure. My first name translates to great soul in Sanskrit. Ooh. Ben Kingsley played me in a 1982 biopic. Uh, 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 Mahatma Gandhi. Yes. Look at you. Right yeah, on the ball. There you go. You're good at that stuff. No, no, I'm not. But I think you've just uh, hit some topics that I knew. Um, that, that, oh, well, what I a great! Did look through. There was a lot of American actresses and stuff, and I thought he's never going to get those. Just... Actresses never. Actors, actresses. What do you think? Like chance. you could do, like you could say, like Jinuada. I am yep. a Japanese table tennis player. Yeah, uh, I yeah. won uh, the. Um, China Open doubles in 2017. Yep. You just add little facts and we could guess. And then, you know, we could just build up a whole list of them and then send it out as a game. Sounds like a good idea. Oh, yeah. Or we could just give out one new fact every every uh, podcast. And, uh, and Ooh, uh, like secret sound some radio stations yeah. do, but the secret table tennis player. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a yep. good idea too. Yeah. Yes. Then we'd have to give out prizes. 
Yes, Ooh. exactly. <laughs> Sounds great. Um, any chance that we might get to some table tennis? Oh, you want to do some table tennis <laughs> questions? Is that what this show's about? <laughs> okay. Well, we haven't done tip of the week yet. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, that's a good segment too. <laughs> Can we replace that one as well? No, that is a good segment. What is, Alice, what is your tip of the week for all those people that are listening for the table tennis? Well, the tip of the week this week is be prepared to fail in training. Ooh, in training? In training. Not well, in games. Especially in training. Yes. Especially in training. Yeah, be prepared to fail. What and made think, you think uh, of this this week? Uh, a few things. A few things. I, I had a bit of a chat to, uh, to, to a group of juniors that are doing... Uh, uh, are starting a camp and uh yeah i was uh, uh talking to them a little bit but yeah that sort of crossed my mind so you know in training i think often we we like to see the ball go on the table too much um mm. you know, we uh we put the ball on the table we we uh really um value consistency um and sometimes we forget about you know just trying to uh see what the limits are as well uh, with mm. the, stroke, the stroke that you're learning. You know, if you're learning a, a forehand topspin, um, who knows how close you can go to the edge of the table if you don't, you know, sometimes go off the end or off the side of the table. So, um, yeah, it's it's important that you do find those limits um, when, you're, when you're training because if you don't find those limits, you're never going to find, you know, that close edge in the uh, – in, in the tra- in the match situation, when I say edge, I mean I'm talking about um, the the uh, you know getting within a couple of centimeters of the of the uh, of the line or whatever it is. So yeah, um, sorry that was that was a bit of an interruption. That was my alarm to put the chickens away, but I'll um, I'll, postpone, <laughs> I'll, I'll postpone it till the end of the show. Um, I hope the foxes don't get them in the meantime. Well, I'll let you know next show in 347. It might be a very sad show. Um, <laughs> they do. But, oh, um, dear, the poor chickens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I was talking about. Well, that's right. Be prepared to fail. Um, you, yeah. So Be prepared to let your chickens <laughs> take on the foxes. No, they're, they're good chickens. Um, so, yeah. So, in training, you know, like, you know, test how fast you can hit the ball test how much you can do with the ball um, and, uh, you know, then you'll find your your full range or, you know, you'll be able to get that ball a bit closer to, to its limits or, you know, find your limits as well. Yeah, I like it. And I think there's this balance, isn't there? Like you said, um, you want consistency, so sometimes you work on that, but then you want power, so sometimes you've got to work on that. And, and yeah, and I think um, immediately it came to mind like um, – pushing the ball low over the net. I know you've got this great game that you like where you have to try and win a point by getting it to clip the net. And so to do that, yes, sometimes you have to go into the net because you're just not used to it and just to realise how low you can actually get. So that be prepared to fail. I like that idea. Yeah, there you go. So You could apply it to a lot of things, couldn't you? A lot of things. in. Uh, yeah. yeah, but it is that balance, isn't it? Yeah. That's right. You don't you want know, to always be doing it, but yeah. So yeah, and and we don't like to see mistakes, you know. Like even in training, it's um, it sometimes it uh, doesn't feel good, or often it doesn't feel good if you make a mistake in training. But as long as you understand that when you're making that mistake, you, there's a purpose to it, and you're you're trying to find those limits. Yes, indeed. All right, 
Great tip. I like it. And it's, you know, relevant to this podcast about table tennis. So what, even failing? better. <laughs> you mean failing or, or finding, <laughs> finding the limits? No, no, just just being about table tennis. Right, okay. Uh, yeah, I don't think we've found any limits yet. Right. But we've failed a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, I think now, Alice, it's actually time to get on to the questions. Yes, okay. The core of the show. The core. This is the yes. crux. First up, I have a rather long question from DK um, about... Dan. Dan does like his long questions. But yes, about a drop shot off a high chop. And, you know, he's he said, greetings team, and he's hope we're all doing well. And, you know, it's uh, hard at the moment because of COVID and sports centres are closed. And where he is, the weather's nasty, so even running's not possible. Um, but he would like to ask us about drop shots. And he's getting quite good at the drop shots. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what is his actual question? <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> I'll I'll read I'll read forward for you, Jeff. So he he wants and it's in it's in the title. Um, the um he has <laughs> he has trouble with doing a drop shot when the ball is a very high chop. You know, like sometimes oh. um yeah sometimes you you force the defender away from the table and they're a really long way from the table, but the ball they chop the ball high, but it's quite close to the net and high so it's a bit awkward to smash mm. and um so he wanted to know how to do a drop shot off that ball so interesting yeah. you know now i know you don't recommend this but i think that is the perfect situation for the chop smash <laughs> <laughs> oh jeff no 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 sorry what, what actual proper advice would you give to to DK. Yeah, so well, I think this it's twofold. I think one, when the ball is that high, even though it is close to the net and it's got backspin, I mean, often I think it's you've got time to move around and make the smash. That's that's probably the first thing. Yeah. If you if you do find yourself in an awkward position and um and you're not able to smash that ball, then to make that drop shot, the principles are the same as a drop shot off a lob or a drop shot off a lower chop. You've got to make sure that you get that ball really early off the bounce, um, even though it's uh, it's it's going to bounce quite high. Um, and you need to have a really nice soft hand to be able to absorb some of the speed of the uh, of the ball. Mm. So so those two things I think will will really help you. The other one is to just put a little bit of side spin on the ball as well if you can. Um, so. Uh, not b- by making a big stroke, by just angling your bat a little bit on the side of the ball. Um, and that side spin will help you to keep that ball shorter uh, because there isn't as much forward momentum off your bat. Um, yeah, the side spin absorbs a bit of that forward momentum and uh, helps you to keep the ball shorter as well. So um, we've got um, some tutorials. We've got a tutorial on doing a drop shot off a lob and we've also got a drop uh, a tutorial on doing a drop shot off a chop so have a look at those two Um, think about the principles that we show you in those and then apply that to that high chop um, and trying to do the drop shot great advice now i'm just trying to picture this because yeah when um like off a lob it is i think it's easier off a lob to take the ball early 
And off a chop that comes low, maybe it's easy to take the ball early off the bounce. But I, I would just find it hard off really high chop to kind of take it on the bounce. So I still think that the smash, like maybe not a chop smash, but a, a smash is going to be your better option most times off that ball because it's going to be hard to keep it short. Um, but, yeah, I guess if you're worried about it, you could just push it back on and it'd still be effective, wouldn't it? But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's possible, and it's, um, it's probably not something you're going to practice a lot because it's not something that comes up a lot. But if it's something that's um, important to you, Dan, then um, then you can practice it. You know, get your training partner to just chop a few balls up high. Um, I think the one of the key things there is you'll need to move your bat a little bit more forward than you would with a, a topspin lob or a mm-hmm. or a lower chop. Uh, because as you said that the ball's going to just sit up it's not going to come forward towards you very much so um yeah just push your bat forward and into the ball fraction. excellent cool all right well thanks for that question dan all right uh next up is a question um from gruia um about correcting the technique uh some flaws in his technique and he's identified several flaws so you know he holds the bat too loose between his hits, he doesn't track the eyes, um, and he's too slow after he finishes to get the bat back to the ready position. So there's kind of like three things that he's identified, and he wants to know, and he's practicing with a robot, but how does he correct these flaws? Should he work on them one by one, one at a time, or should he try and work on all three things at once? Yeah, um, so... The, it's the a really key, good question, isn't it? It I is. Like it is, yeah. Um, the key is that you're, you're still working on your forehand counter hit. So that's the stroke that you're, that you're thinking about. Um, but those three aspects of it, you can start to almost um, cycle through them. But I would pick one of them first. So holding the, the bat loose or the paddle loose, focus on that um, for a little while. So, you know, practice your stroke, think about how loose um, your hand is, you know, give yourself some minutes, you know, some time. Um, It might take a little bit longer um, to just really get the feel of um, how loose you can hold the the paddle in your hand. Once you have a feel for that and you feel like, okay, that's starting to to feel a bit more natural, then you can start to think about, okay, well, now I'm going to think about tracking the ball uh, better with my eyes. So, so then you can go to uh, your focus. Then becomes tracking the ball. The looseness in your grip might disappear a fraction, or or a lot, or maybe not much at all. Um, but yeah, so now your focus is on tracking the ball. Again, once you start to feel like you're tracking the ball well, then back to thinking about okay, is my grip still loose um, while I'm tracking the ball? Know, and cycle between them and then you can start to think about another aspect so uh, just that recovery after um, after you finish the stroke so as you as you go through keep a focus in mind and keep start keep thinking about um, uh, one of those aspects uh, all the time and eventually they all become quite ingrained and you'll start to be able to um, to do all three of those things naturally but you do have to focus on them um yeah as you go as you go through 
Yes, and it is amazing how your brain can eventually take all these things that are quite complicated and then do them automatically. And I was reminded about this today, Alice, because my son just got his learners and I took him for his first, like, five-minute drive. And you just forget how many things you have to be doing when you're driving. You've got to worry about the acceleration, the brakes, the indicators, there's the side mirrors, who's behind you, the steering wheel. There's just so many things you have to do all at once. And you kind of just forget about it because you've driven for so long and it has just become automatic. Yeah, and, and that's right. And that's why, you know, often in the um, in those uh in the driving instructors' cars, you know, they'll have their own pedals, so they might just get you to 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 think about the steering, and you and they'll focus on you know mm. braking and accelerating, um, and then you know they might introduce you and start to get you to focus on your braking, or then they'll fo- start to get you to focus on indicating properly and all those sorts of things. But yeah, it's you're in for you're in for a good couple of years by the sounds <laughs> of things, Jeff. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh dear. Yes, fun times. But no, um, yes, good. thank you, thank you for the question, Gruya. That's a it's a really good question. And of all those alloys, I thought you might have picked out not holding the paddle is between points, not tracking the ball enough, and not recovering fast enough. Which of those would you think was the main thing to focus on first? I reckon the grip. Wow, oh, really? I thought you know what I was going to say. I thought you were going to say. Tracking the ball, oh, watching yeah. the ball really closely. That's what I thought you were going to say, but know the grip. Yeah, yeah, because I think you know, that's before you hit the ball, before anything happens, I think, you know, you, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'd focus on. I guess it would depend on each player and what, yeah. what, I, what I saw in them. Yeah. Good point. Good. Um, you do, yeah, you need to hold the bat properly. All right, excellent. Thanks for that question. All right, next up is a question from uh, Ujal, who says, while playing a right-handed player, the bat slips and falls on the table. And Ujal's question is, can he pick up the bat with his left hand and continue playing? Yes, he can. Um, Yeah, so uh, you only have to have the bat in one of your hands, but the, the bat does have to be in your hand when you hit the ball. So um, you can't uh, pick up the bat in your right hand and hit it with your left hand, for example, or not have the bat in any hand and just tap it back with with your hand. So the ball, sorry, the bat has to be in your hand um, to hit the ball. So, yep. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Good question. Yeah. yeah. Here's here's another question that just sprung to my mind, right? So when you're playing, you got your bat in one hand, you have to hit it with the bat, and your free hand is not allowed to touch the table, right? Otherwise, you lose the point. Correct. But your elbow and stuff is, as long as you don't move the table, what happens if you're playing a double-handed backhand and both hands touch the table? Oh... I'm going to have to go to Graham Island on that one. Um, <laughs> my, uh, my my go-to uh, rules. Surely man. you don't have a free hand then, so that would be okay is my interpretation. Mm, but no question. one uses a double-handed shot over the table, really. So No, but... Um, Theoretically, you could. 
Yeah, Calderano uses the double-handed backhand away from the table. <laughs> yeah. So, so not a lot of danger of touching the table from back there. No. No, his arms aren't that long. I don't know why he does that. Surely that's worse. I mean, you you lose uh, – you can't stretch as far and you can't swing through as well. I mean, why wouldn't you just play either like a left-handed forehand? Um, one, some, you know, like just for control, like, you know, maybe – Mm. Maybe he just feels like he gets better control from back there. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, good question, you, Charles. Thank you. All right. Next up is a question from Rohan, who says, "Hey guys, I haven't had to ask a question for a while, but here's a new one." He says, "A guy I play regularly regularly at work is introducing a new serve." And he wants it to be deceptive with his bat angle and switch between topspin and backspin, but he hasn't quite got it yet. But he says they are difficult to read despite me watching the contact closely um, because his intention is clear, but the execution doesn't deliver the intent. So he's not very consistent. um, But, yeah, this is another long question, Alois. (laughs) Yeah, so he ends up up getting to no insert. Look like they're spinny, right? Yeah, exactly. So Rowan, uh, Rowan has uh, has problems with those low, no spin type serves. And is the problem because he thinks it's spinny, or just has problems with that in general? No, I think it's uh, just because he's got a problem trying how to deal with that no spin um, serve. You know? Because, okay. Yeah, it's it, it's funny, isn't it? You think, oh well, no spin serve is going to be easier, but yeah, some people find that more difficult. Um, to deal with a no spin serve compared mm. to a you know a spinny serve because the ball bites into your bat and um, and it gives you a little bit of momentum out of your rubber, whereas the no spin serve um, you don't really have any momentum and the ball's just sitting there and you have to do everything yourself. You know, either yeah. have it short or if you're trying to flick it, you've got to create all the the speed as well. So um, yeah, so I guess. The, the flick is probably your number one option off, uh, off a no-spin serve. Yeah. Uh, uh, so if you're going to flick, then it's about, you know, just coming forward, putting a little bit of top on the ball yourself um, so, that, uh, so that you're getting that bo- uh, ball up and down quickly. But you can also uh, push that no-spin serve short. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yes, yeah, so your action for that just needs to be, you know, down and very soft and um, and uh, and just getting the angle of your bat right is the is the key for that, um, basically, for the for the push. So, you know, a push, um, a flick are all options. And it's about really just adjusting to the, the fact that the ball hasn't got any spin on the ball. Yeah. And I guess the key there is, is like in the first place, recognizing that it has no spin. And I guess that's why, you know, returning serve is so difficult because the server can do really similar ser- looking serves, but just brush the ball a bit more and get a bit more backspin on one and then not brush it on the next one. And it looks very similar, but one will have backspin and one will have almost no spin. Yeah, that's right. And that's that's probably the biggest difficulty with table tennis um, i think at a, at a at a beginner or you know intermediate level but also at that higher level you know uh, that's where you can gain real advantages if you develop your serves and you can get into problems if you don't read the serves very well yeah definitely definitely 
All right. So, Rowan, hopefully that helps you out. Um, keep keep going with that flick and and keep practicing that. And remember also about placement. This, that's also important when you're flicking, isn't it? Try and find a good spot on the table to hit it to. Yeah, it's 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 whether you're flicking or whether you're pushing or anything really on the on on the return of serve in any in in in, in and in with any shot. Um, you know, just placement is one of those key um, variables that you can um, that you can add. You know, there's the spin, the speed, the trajectory of the ball, and the placement of the ball as well. Yes, that's why this game is just so great. You just keep learning every time you play. Absolutely. All right. Well, that wraps up the questions. Um, so if you're here for the table tennis, just stop listening now. Um, <laughs> no, no. No, this is the best part. <laughs> this is OMG Facts. OMG Facts. Bring them on. All right. Okay. Here we go. Now, now, Jeff, I, I, I you know, like yes. I, during the week, I was actually talking to someone and, and bananas came up and I mentioned it. To, to them and they said yeah I know I was listening to the podcast um, <laughs> that that bananas are a berry there you um, go so there's yeah. one person that does does listen this far yeah thanks Dr Ross yeah that, thank, yeah great You're, to uh, know thanks for yeah. listening Dr Ross Dr Ross so it, Dr Ross is the man behind uh, the knowledge of uh, of skills acquisition that we uh, bring to you every now and then but yes yeah, such an interesting topic we should get him on the show one time do you reckon yes maybe he's got some omg facts that he can give <laughs> as well no he, no. Might, See, he, he might... actually has some interesting knowledge so we could just get him to talk <laughs> about what he knows maybe or he he might uh he might tell us that a banana is a berry <laughs> he now knows that indeed well the longest moustache ever recorded was 12.5 feet long. 12 feet long. That's a long So is that start. like from one tip to the other, obviously? Like not just one? I would, that's, yeah. that's what I'm imagining, yes. 12 foot. That's quite long. I'm just I'm just sort of yeah. mapping out 12 foot, you know, like four metres. Yeah, that's well. Long. That's as long as this whole desk here. That's, yeah, that's good now, work. Surprisingly, my foot is roughly a foot long. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, OMG fact. Yes. The colder the room you sleep in, the better the chances are that you'll have a bad dream. (gasps) No. OMG fact. No, I don't. I know. I reckon it's when I get hot that I have bad dreams. Wrong, wrong, wrong. OMG fact. Really? (laughs) Um, French fries were actually invented in Belgium. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Um, So why? What? Have you got now? This, this. I'm not sure if this applies to you or not. Hang on, I, I want some more information. Like, why on earth are they called French fries then? If they were invented in Belgium. That's a great question. Maybe they speak French in Belgium, don't they? Some, some, yeah, they do. Yeah. In some parts. Yeah. So maybe the French just took credit for it. I don't know, but it's just a fact. Yeah. Here, here's one that may relate to you. Foreign 
Accent Syndrome, FAS, is an extremely rare brain disorder that causes sufferers to speak involuntarily in a foreign accent. Sorry? <laughs> what accent was that? I don't know. I, don't know. I was really struggling, <laughs> as you may have, as you may have guessed. Uh, really but you know, that. Alois. Yes. Every everyone I know um, that hears you speak says you just speak so clearly and um, articulate, um, and you have like a quite a strong Australian accent, surprisingly, because you're Australian. Um, but when you speak to members of your family, you go into this Indian accent. I do a little, and I and my head does start to shake a bit. It is all true. <laughs> I'm wondering if this is this rare brain disorder that you have. <laughs> Maybe. Or an accent syndrome. Maybe. There's a reason for it. I never knew, but it's it's all explained here. OMG what, facts. What What is it? F? FAS, foreign accent syndrome. Foreign accent. Extremely rare brain disease that I think you have. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Here's, here's the last one. A four-year-old asks an average of 437 questions a day. I believe 100%. Oh, my goodness. No wow. wonder they learn so fast. That's why we stop learning because we stop asking 437 questions. Well, it's there's there's definitely something to it. Mm. Yes. There you go. Yeah. All right. I, I, I like it. I like it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's, it's a good point. You know, like why do we stop asking questions and why do we learn? the most when we are asking questions mm, yes maybe that could be your tip of the week next week alloys uh, might be yeah, that, <laughs> i better write that down as i'll forget <laughs> indeed oh uh, well there you go thanks yeah. everyone for listening we really appreciate it make sure you visit pingskills.com and of course thank you alloys for your words of wisdom Thank you, Jeffrey, and thanks everyone out there for listening. And um, I hope everyone stays safe. And if anyone knows why French fries are called French fries when they were invented in Belgium, if that is actually a fact. Um, of course it's please, a fact. Please let us know. <laughs> thanks, everyone. Bye.